You know, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, the world looked very different. If you were to get something to eat, you probably grew it yourself or you bought it from somebody whose first name you knew. You knew the land it was grown on. The world has changed. But for some people, they're reclaiming that. And we're going to talk about that with an amazing guest right after this on the Manlyhood Mancast. You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Manlyhood Mancast. I'm your host, Josh Hatcher. Listen, I am so excited about the work that we're doing here at Manlyhood. Our podcast is growing. We've got more and more listeners tuning in from all over the world. And I've heard lots of great feedback from guys who are learning, who are growing, who are connecting with the work that we're doing. And it makes me really happy. If you are growing and learning and connecting with what we're doing, then you have a responsibility. That responsibility is to help share this with other men. So if you find an episode that you really resonate with, like this one, and you want to share it with somebody, please do that. Send them the link to listen to it. Send it in a private message or post it on their wall. Make sure you go to iTunes or Apple or or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts at and comment, like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all the things that you can do to help us elevate this message to more men. I appreciate it, and I'm really glad that you took the time to participate in the work that we're doing. Listen, today's guest is Drew Grimm. He and his wife have a homestead where they not only grow the food that they use to feed their family, but they also homeschool their family, and they work together to educate others on how to live a simpler life off the land the way that people used to. And this conversation with Drew is phenomenal, and I think you really definitely are going to learn something from it. Drew, it's great to have you on the show, man. I've been following the work that you're doing uh, with the Schoolhouse Life, and um, it's really intriguing to me. You know, we used to do a little bit of homesteading ourselves, and, you know, now that life has kind of gotten busy and there's not as many kids at home to help with the chores, things have changed a little bit. But I love the work you're doing, and I think our uh, our listeners would be really intrigued by this too. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah, so we um, sit on 15 acres in North Carolina. Um, so we consider it kind of a small homestead. We have uh, sheep chickens uh for eggs and for meat and um just our goal is to kind of provide enough food for ourselves um our overall like kind of mission statement is self-sufficiency through community so um which is kind of like an oxymoron and i realize that but ultimately like you can't have true self-sufficiency without having a community of people to be working with. So that's kind of uh, where we focus on is teaching people skills in homesteading, natural medicine, and homeschooling. So kind of a um, kind of an overall, like if you're a homesteader, you're generally doing most of those things in some degree or another. 
doing it for man almost like 20 years now so it started kind of like just on the steps of our apartment and um growing stuff in pots and you know slowly uh purchased a house and then purchased land and you know kind of have gotten to this spot where i feel like i still have acreage i haven't used yet so i feel like i'm in a good spot that's awesome you got some room to grow then that's right yeah 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 so tell me a little bit about uh you know you talked about the animals that you grow do you do you raise animals from meat as well as we do eggs and things like that yeah so kind of like within our philosophy is uh if you consume meat then you should be responsible for the death of that meat or be a participant in the in the whole process from um not meaning that every piece of meat you consume you've killed yourself but understanding that process um understanding what it means to watch a lamb be born in the spring and then in the fall harvest that lamb and you know going through that process of cows uh sheep chickens um so we have jacob sheep which are um sheep that actually they legend has it i don't know how accurate it is but legend has it it comes from the sheep of the bible like the jacob sheep you know with the spots and um so it's a it's a cool heritage breed they generally have like four or six horns so they're kind of a little funky looking which is why i wanted them um but we've mixed them with other breeds to kind of have our own breed on the homestead and um so we use them for wool and for meat and then um the chickens yeah, we have we raise like chickens. Some people don't know, but like a meat chicken takes about six to eight weeks from the time it you receive it to the time it's ready for butchering. So we run a few of those throughout the summer to keep uh, the freezer full. We call it freezer camp. So on the right. homestead, if you get signed up for freezer camp, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um. Our family raised meat rabbits and meat chickens for many years, and uh, I did a lot of the processing myself and got to the place where, you know, you do five or six of them, and you're kind of like, okay, I think I'm uh, (laughs) I'm done for the day. Yeah. Um, And, you know, now, honestly, if it was one a day, that would be different than doing like a whole, you know, big freezer camp harvest all at once. But we we ended up finding like a local Amish group where the women would all get together on Wednesdays, and they would just process everybody's animals that they brought up and that was like for the cost and then me not having to clean up the mess you know so i mean i I was still active like i was a part of seeing it happen but it wasn't it was a little less stress and mess for me so for us that worked really well but i always wanted to get into you know some bigger livestock but we only have about an acre and a half so (laughs) yeah you could probably do a few sheep but yeah you're not getting into cows on an acre and a half but yeah Man, I like that idea though. That again, like that community aspect. You know, a lot of times on like slaughtering, we'll ha- we'll get together with other families, and um, the biggest we've ever done is like three hundred chickens in one day. But it was like three families. That that was a long, long day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, but it's it's kind of there's something to it, man. There's nothing like eating a meal and knowing that everything on your table came from the backyard. You know, right. Yeah, that was actually last night we had that, like everything on our plate. We had cauliflower, green beans, and chicken. Everything on our plate had come from our farm. 
And it was kind of like, you know, every once in a while, I'll like look up from a meal and be like, hey, guys, everything came from the farm, you know, and that's, that's kind of a, it's a cool, cool feeling for sure. Yeah, I um, I think I, when you talked about it being a part of your philosophy of, you know, have, if you're going to eat meat, have a, a that responsibility of understanding the process and being a part of the process, like, like, I think that um, when you look at what's happening at some of these factory farms, you know, the chickens, the way they're raised or the cow, you know, it's almost kind of heartbreaking. You know I mean? It doesn't make me go full on PETA and say, I'm going to avoid meat forever, but right. it definitely makes me rethink things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The way we raise our animals, I tell people like, I'm about this far, like, you know, a few inches away from the same philosophy as a vegan, you know, like, if vegans would stop being angry for a little bit and hear me out, like we're, we're pretty similar. Like, um, you know, we raise our animals. My belief is that a sheep knows how to be a sheep better than I can tell a sheep to be a sheep. Uh, the same for any animal on our farm. So we run our flocks as a closed flock. So the, the males and the females are together all the time. The moms raise the babies and the babies stay with the moms until um, they go to freezer camp or, you know, we sell them. But everything, our goal is always to let the animal be the animal to like the full extent instead of like, you know, those uh, confinement lots that you see like out West where it's just, you know, animals standing on dirt being treated very horribly their whole lives. Yeah, I think there's a degree of compassion to it, and I think it makes you appreciate the the process more when you're when you're involved in it. So tell me, you know, you've got a, how many kids do you are you do you have on the yeah, homestead? We've got four. Yeah, are they are they pretty involved with the work that you're doing as well? They are. Um, some days joyfully, some days reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we have, so we have five, a five-year-old boy and then, uh, uh, 12, 10, 12 and 16 year old girls. Um, and they, part of the reason we wanted to do homesteading and farming was for that responsibility factor of like them knowing what hard work is, um, and, and being connected to the land and having the opportunity to just go poke around in the mud or watch a bug walk across, you know, a fence post or something, you know, like let the kids be kids. Um, but also the aspect of like letting them have responsibility. So like my uh, 10 and 12 year old are completely in charge of the chickens. So they like manage the chickens. And then, um, when there's extra eggs, they have a sign they put up down by the road and they sell the eggs and they get to keep a percentage of that. Um, it's funny because they put it up and they thought they were going to get to keep all the money that I was like, whoa, 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 there's like a feed bill. And then there's, um, uh, taxes. <laughs> and then, you know, they, and they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And then you got to set some aside for God too. And they're like, hold on. What? <laughs> you know, like they watch their little paycheck dwindle down, but, um, you know, ultimately that's, that's the reality of it. So like just teaching them homeschooling is kind of for us is those kind of moments of like letting them run a egg selling enterprise and, you know, be a participant in all the ways that money gets distributed and that kind of thing. Yeah. My uh, daughter started her first job a couple of years ago. She's working at Arby's and she gets her first paycheck and she's, she sees how much the government takes out and she's like, right. wait, wait. 
what's going on here? I don't understand. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to adulthood, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, as you homeschool, do you guys use a traditional curriculum or do you pretty much kind of do the unschooling route or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah. Um, my wife handles most of it. Um, but I come in on like kind of the farm end of things. Uh, we don't really use a curriculum. She kind of like picks and chooses curriculums, um, like little aspects of it. And then I would say we're kind of like Charlotte Mason, Waldorf and unschooling kind of all combined. Um, so it's kind of, if it's a nice day outside, the kids are outside all day. Um, if it's like raining or like being in North Carolina, like this, past couple of weeks, it was like 90 plus degrees and like a hundred percent humidity. So, you know, like we just stay inside and they do more of their schoolwork. And so it's, it's not like we're trying to make check boxes on like, you know, are they getting a certain thing done? Our overall goal is to produce really good human beings that will make a difference in this world. Um, you know, not, not necessarily so much of, uh, replicating the school system or, you know, being worried if they have, I, I don't know, like all the presidents memorized, like ultimately you can be a really good person and not know that, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, you can, like, oh, go ahead. You could be bad at trigonometry and, you know, still be a good person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, like there's this whole, like, I, I'm more, I struggle with it more than my wife does, but of like a lot of information you can just Google now, like, do we really need to store that information in our brain or could we put something else in there and just Google, like who was the fourth president, you know, like, I don't, you know. So my kids did a virtual charter school, which is kind of like a public school at home. Okay. Uh, almost all the way through my 16 year old is now going to the public school. She wants to take advantage of, they have like a nursing Votech program. And okay. so we, we like, okay, that'll work good for you. So she's doing that, but all the way through, uh, through their education, you know, they had, uh, you know, some curriculum and teachers and work they would do. But like, honestly, if I look back, what they learned most was in the times that we were actually doing stuff together that had nothing to do with their, <laughs> right. you know, with their yeah. schoolwork. And, yeah. you know, I, I think about a lot of people right now are really struggling with, uh, the education system, you know, there's there now that all these kids are now forced to go to virtual charter or virtual schooling at home and they're hearing what's actually happening in the classroom, yeah. you know, and they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't sign up for this. You know, yeah. like that's, I, I, so I think that there's a lot of dads out there who are like, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want my kids to be better kids. I want them to grow up to be better humans than what is being produced out of this, right. you know, yeah. Just like the factory farms, right? You know, it's right. the same concept. I mean, it is, yeah, that's that's a really sad way to put it, but I think it's a really a reality too, is like the school system is set to like produce workers that will work nine to five, you know, like come in, don't ask to go to the bathroom, take your lunch when we tell you, and then go home and do the same thing the next day. Like it's, it's a difficult reality, but I, I do see it as like, that's the main reason we don't, why we do homeschool is because of that element of we we're looking for our kids to make an impact in the world. And I think that not that you can't do that 
going to public school. I just think it is maybe a little bit more difficult. Um, if you don't have that room to breathe and think way outside of the box, like, I don't know, in an element, like I went to public school my whole life, but like, what if I would have been able to completely think or <laughs> lay down in a field and just dream for a couple of days, you know, like, I don't know who knows what, what difference there would have been. I kind of had this cool opportunity where I got plugged into this, like I had like a learning disability and I was like considered quote unquote gifted at the same time. So I kind of got into this special education program where one day a week I would get to get out of all my classes and go and basically do unschooling. You know, they basically kind of, what do you want to learn about today? What do you want to work on? So I got to, you know, develop the things that I cared about. And, and honestly, I learned more outside of my classroom than I ever would have in the classroom. And I wish, honestly, like every kid should have an IEP, Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. they should have an individual education plan for every kid. And I, yeah. I just, I, I was fortunate in that regard. And I just, sure. it breaks my heart to see the way that it's just like, you know, Hey, let's make you all the same. Let's make you homogenous. And then on top of that, the culture of the kids itself, you know, like yeah. people are always like, um, have you ever heard this argument? Like, aren't you worried about your kids being more, uh, aren't you worried about their, their socialization? Like, right. I'm sure you've got a good response to that. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think the reality is there's nowhere else that you see human beings interacting with like one age group. Um, you know, like, this like idea that we're going to take all the eight-year-olds and put them in a classroom and that's it. Like they won't interact with anybody else in real life. We're acting or interacting with people from a full spectrum of ages. Um, you know, so I, I struggle with it sometimes because some of my friends who also have homeschool kids, like, you know, there'll be a 12 year old that'll like sit down next to me while we're having dinner and, you know, want to have a conversation about, some adult topic. And I'm like, you know, everyone's I'm like, why is this 12 year old talking to me? But they, they haven't been told that it's not okay to talk with someone older than them or younger than them, you know, like, and a lot of times the conversations are great and interesting. And the 12 year old knows something that I had no idea about, you know, but um, yeah. So we have like a couple of co-ops and our kids, um, we back pre pandemic in the old world, we used to travel a lot and, um, you know, our kids have been to Israel and Canada and, you know, all over the place in the United States and have experienced different cultures and know how to interact with people different ways that, you know, um, you can't learn that kind of socialization in a regular school setting. Uh, that's that's my long-winded explanation to people. <laughs> no, I, I think it's right on. I feel, like I said, I can relate to it really well because our kids were the same way. You know, they uh, they loved babies and they loved old people and everybody in between, you know, rather than yeah. just like only holding up with, with people that were just like them. And and I think, you know, now most of them are adults. I'm about to be a grandpa, you know. Oh, I got, wow. You yeah. know, they're, they're, and I, and I, I can see that, you know, I feel like we made that right decision, that right call to, to do it that way, because they turned out to be really great people, you yeah. know? And, um, and, and I'm not saying that great people can't come out of the public school system. For that sure. does too. But I feel really confident in our decision to be different than everybody else. You know, I think it was a wise thing. And I think more people are waking up to the fact that 
hey, maybe this isn't as hard or as bad as I thought it was going to be, you know? Yeah, I think that that's like a good, what you're saying, and I think what I'm ultimately saying is it's a good encouragement to dads who are maybe on the fence that are like, I'm not sure I can pull this off, you know? Like, um, there's a lot of value in homeschooling. Like, it is something that you can do. It's not super difficult. You don't have to replicate regular school Um I talk to dads every once in a while that are kind of on the fence and it's like, just give it a try. I mean, worst case, you send the kids back to public school, you know I mean? It's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's, it's worth a shot. And they usually don't end up getting further behind as long as, right. You know, you've got some kind of plan, you know, I think you can make it work. So yeah. Now do you do the homestead and, and your farm? Is that full time or do you work outside the home as well? Or so I do not work. Well, it's a diff- that's a difficult answer. So we have a f- few different revenue streams, I guess is the best way to say it. We have, um, my wife and I are kind of serial entrepreneurs. So um, we have a natural health and wellness business. Um, we sell essential oils and teach people how to use essential oils um, and for like natural health. That's primarily how we make our income. So it's kind of, it's like sales basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then we do homestead coaching. So if people are uh, interested in homesteading or, you know, need a little bit of extra help, we, we have a program, we do that. And then we have a physical location uh, we call it the schoolhouse. It's like an old 1940s building. That This is like the ceiling of it right there. Um, that we run a, we call it a community market. It's kind of like a farmer's market. And then uh, we teach physical classes out of this location too. So on like homesteading type of topics, um, you know, like folk, uh, um, things like, uh, I'm trying to think we're getting ready to do one on like longbow making, or we'll do one on like fermenting or pressure canning or, or natural medicine kind of thing. So, um, stuff that people can come physically to. And the reason I, I ask that is primarily because I, in my mind, I have this picture that I've been thinking about where, you know, you look back a hundred years ago and, you know, kids went to school, uh, in the, in the cooler months, you know, after harvest pretty much in the winter. And, um, then the rest of the time they were actually working with their dads in the field and with their moms in the, in the around the house and in the kitchen and, and doing those things and learning kind of on the job. And I think that, you know, it sounds like with, with the career that you have, right. With that as your career, your kids can be alongside and with you and you probably get a little bit more time with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're as a family unit, we're together pretty much 24 seven. Um, and that definitely has its pros and cons. I think that, you know, like, but I think ultimately originally that was the, that is the way that we're meant to be like, um, kind of like you're saying, you know, like this idea of, um, spending the summers together or, you know, um, just spending life together is it's huge. Um, and, I owned a business doing home theaters and security systems, which is like a funny kind of juxtaposition (laughs) to what I do now. But, um, and I was gone a lot and, you know, all day, every day, um, long hours. And it's just, it was, it took a while to get used to coming home and like being there all the time. You know, my wife even would be like, Hey, 
is just strange. You know, like we have this routine and now you're here and like, how do we fit you into this routine? You know? And it's, um, it, it's been, uh, I guess five years ago I sold that business. So, uh, it's been a while now, but, uh, yeah, there, there is kind of like a learning curve of everybody being home together. I'm sure with like the pandemic, um, I feel like a lot of people kind of got thrust into that, like everybody being together at the same time, but yeah. 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 I, I really like it now. It also gives us the flexibility to like, um, go places and do things and, you know, we can work remotely. So it's, it's really nice that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, I worked from home for a little while and my wife was home teaching the kids and I was involved with some of that as well. There was a time, man, where it was just like, like you almost start to get on each other's nerves, you know, and you have to kind of, okay, let's get this figured out. But it was, um, if I look back, like, dude, those are the moments that I actually can kind of cherish because we, we had that freedom to pack up and go to, you know, the zoo or, yeah, you know, go for a swim at the, at the lake and not interrupt everything else. And, um, you know, honestly, I think that that is that time that you can have with your kids is so important. I think a lot of dads just like check the box, you know, I went to work, I made the money so that you have a house to live in. Now leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will say like it, there was a, a time after I sold my business and I came home, there was like this, uh, and I tell a lot of dads this because I, I know some other dads that have come home to be stay at home dads. Um, I think as men, we, we put our identity in that earning income that producing. And when you take that away, then all of a sudden, like, you kind of don't have an identity, you know, like, yeah, I sold my business and I had some revenue coming from that. But ultimately my wife was working her other business and producing the majority of the income. And, um, I was just kind of floating there for a while, you know, and it was like, I really did. I had to do some soul searching, like, okay, my identity is not in what I make, but you know, who I am for my family. And, um, that was like, that was a really tough couple of months of like trying to turn that around, you know, but I tell a lot of dads, like, um, you, once you can kind of realize that, and I've seen other dads go into like a depression over it, you know, like that once you can kind of realize it and work through it, then, you know, you've got something, but you kind of have to, um, as a society, I think that's just, what we we expect and what society expects of us yeah and i think that there is a you know like i think there's some truth to the idea that as a man your job is to provide mm -hmm. right i think there's truth to that concept but i think sure. that we get like we get hung up on it right yeah <laughs> you know like that's something it's still something that you do not who you are and so right. yeah when there's a, a shift or a time period where dude i've been there I've been there and that, that was a really hard time. I actually had to sit down and write out, like, I remember in my journal, I, I wrote at the top of the page, who am I? Right. <laughs> I yeah. just took the time to like, actually like identify it because without it, I was kind of lost for a little bit. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, you know, then too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, um, with your kids doing homeschooling, helping out, helping out around the, the, the homestead, what do you think is probably the most rewarding part of, of this life that, that you are involved with this kind of 
it's almost like a rogue and it shouldn't be rogue. Like this is the way everybody lived for right. like hundreds of hundreds, thousands of years, you know? Yeah. What, what do you think is the most rewarding part of it for you? I think it's being connected to the land and being connected to the creator. Um, and that's originally like I kind of soul search sometimes like what got me started on this. And for me, like when you look at the Bible, the people of the Bible were always agricultural people. The feasts and festivals of the Bible are all based around agricultural um, elements and, you know, taking a harvest in or planting a harvest or uh, the darkest day of the year, you know, it's like Hanukkah, like everything is based around this idea of the earth and the seasons and all of that. And um, having that connection and being able to like, I, I plant not enough wheat to like sustain us, but I plant enough wheat so that in the spring I can harvest it at the time of Passover, just, just so that I can experience harvesting wheat during Passover when, you know, the people of the Bible would have done it. Um, so like, to me, I think that that being, that's the most fulfilling for me is that participating in the land with my family, like being connected. Like I don't take for granted at all that I get to spend every day, all day with my family. Like that's to me huge and really like I've made an effort to design this life, my wife and I together to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you talked about when you guys first started, you started growing just on the steps to your apartment. So let's say that there's some guys out there and they're like, Hey, look, like I'm in the middle of the city, you know, and, but they want a part of it. Like, like where would they start if that's, if they're like, Hey, look, I, I can't have a full homestead, but I want to start with something. Like what, what would you recommend? I'd recommend like finding the first, first of all, finding a food that you like, um, like a lot of times people will plant foods that they don't like and, uh, you know, like just because, Hey, you know, like you don't really think about it at first, but, and then, um, get a pot and grow something in a pot, you know, like grow one tomato and experience the beauty of that one tomato plant or grow some lettuce. Lettuce will grow like anywhere. You could grow lettuce inside your house in a pot in a South facing window. If you're in the Northern hemisphere, um, you know, so there's, there's always something that you can grow. Um, you can also get grow lights like from a, um, hardware store and put those above, like if you don't even have a window, you know, like, um, but experience growing something and get connected with a community of people that have been growing and know how to grow and just start learning. But, um, you know, it's kind of like cliche, but get your hands dirty, you know, like literally like start with something and, um, see, usually once you grow something and eat it, then you're, you're kind of hooked. I, uh, that kind of makes me think of the other end of that too, is like, we're at the place where, uh, you know, we have a, a small garden. It's just enough for us for right now. We, we can't grow meat with, with our lives and the way that our lives are structured right now. But I always think about like, we, my wife went to the grocery store the other day and uh, our grocery store is a chain, but they have a butcher that is very conscientious, you know? Nice. And um, every year when the fair comes around, he buys, um, you know, the, the meat from the fair. Oh, and wow. so we, we had, we had like fair pork chops last night from, the, oh, wow. you know, from our local County fair. And, but you know, like, like, like take the time to get to know a butcher, get to know a farmer, yeah. maybe get your meat from them rather than from that 
that system that is going to be pumped full of who knows what they've pumped into that meat. You know, I, I think there's something valuable to just getting it as local and as fresh and as natural as you can. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like if you can get, like you said, food from your community that was grown in your community that is experiencing whatever stresses are going on in your community. Um, there's like, a, there's a newer study that shows that if you take vegetable seeds and put them in your mouth and then plant them, those plants grow more of the minerals and vitamins that your body is deficient in. Um, which to me just goes to show that like nature and the earth knows way more than science knows and, um, you know, modern day science so that we, when we eat and consume food that is coming from our community, it's more likely to be helping us be healthier as human beings, both physically and spiritually than, um, you know, like I forget the exact number, but like if you get a pound of ground meat from the grocery store, your average grocery store, it has something like roughly 200 cows in one in one pound of ground meat has been mixed together. You know, like that's just not healthy. And I think in general, that's why we see our society, the world at large declining both physically and spiritually um, is because we've lost that connection. Yeah. Yeah, I have no doubt that that's something I think it is. We've got to be thinking about, you know, and in the other end, the other end of it, I think of um, just from that perspective of masculinity, right? You know, you go and you buy. A lot of people aren't even buying a pound of ground beef; they're buying a meal that's already made. Right. You know, and yeah. and so you know they're buying like a freezer meal, or they're going to the restaurant that is, you know, a fast food place and. Like 90% of it isn't even meat, it's soy or something else. And that has an impact on testosterone and hormones and, you know, all kinds of things. And I think we just completely need to rethink, you know, like what are we putting in our body and why are we putting it there and does it matter? And I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone else say like you are, you know, you've heard the one like you are what you eat, but to take it farther, you are what your farmer eats. So like, in other words, like it economically and physically, like we should be taking responsibility. Like can the farmer we buy from, can he and does he consume his own or she, you know, produce, consume and produce their own food. You know, like if we have a soybean farmer or a cow farmer in out in where these giant lots are, are they consuming that food, you know, and, um, can they afford to, you know, is another element of it. But yeah, if we can kind of go back to the small scale farmers, my dream locally is if we could all be able to walk to get all the food that we need from local farmers in the area. I know that's like a utopian dream, but you know, you got to dream something, right. But yeah. yeah. I, another thing I always love to do, and I kind of grew up this way too, is, you know, my mom was really good at growing green beans. You know, we have a big garden and we grow a handful of things, but we could never get corn to grow on our property, but she could grow green beans. So she would grow green beans and grow enough for like the whole town. (laughs) And then she'd go to the farmer that that did the corn and she'd say, here's a bushel of green beans for a bushel of corn, Yeah, you know? And, and like there is, you talk about that community, man, like that's, 
there's something really valuable in that as well. Uh, you know, if you're good at doing something, somebody else is doing is good at doing the other thing. Let's work together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Do you find yourself doing any, any bartering with, with locals with the, the work you're doing there? We do. Um, within our like kind of farming friend community, a lot of times it's a lot of like, Hey, I've got extra, you can have it. Or, you know, we, we all kind of take care of each other. Um, I I have a friend that has a dairy, so I get milk from him. And honestly, like I pay him for it at this point. Um, but I love the idea of trading and when we can trade, like I had extra fence posts from a project I did. So I traded him fence posts for milk, you know? So like, yeah, Mm -hmm. any kind of trading we can do, uh, we do. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love that concept as well. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. I, uh, I've done a lot of bartering over the years, you know, build a website for a guy in exchange for something yeah. else. And, you know, it's, there's always a, a lot of joy in that, that process, you know, when you're like, um, Hey, I, I got this for, you know, this and uh, yeah, something kind of fun. Yeah. And I, I, I love the idea that it also kind of like keeps uncle Sam out of your pocket, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're supposed to report it. I have no idea how you, would yeah, report it, but, I don't you know. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I like to ask all my guests, uh, these questions. I like to, uh, I think it kind of gives us a cool insight into you and your life and how you think. So that first question is this, if, if, if young brew six, seven, years old walks in the room and you've got the opportunity to speak into his life and tell him anything. What is it you're going to tell him? What do you want him to know? Mm. I I would tell him to continue where he's going, but to experience nature and to look for wonder, you know, like look for wonder in the small things. But I, I mean, I'm really happy where I am in my life, you know, and it's like, I wouldn't want to get things off course, <laughs> you know? So like, you know, like, um, growing up, I was in nature a lot, did a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking. And I think that's kind of what got me to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a, a common theme to a lot of guys are like, Hey, well, if I tell them some things then like, then I didn't have the hard experiences or I didn't have this experience right. and then I screwed it all up, you know, like I, I needed we, that hardship to learn something, you know? Yeah. We've all watched too many like uh, Terminator and back to the future. <laughs> so you, you, you don't want to mess up the time continuum. <laughs> no, but I, I think that's good advice though, to encourage him to experience the wonder. Yeah. What, what, uh, in your life now, I know you talk about how you love being connected to the land. When's the last time you really had a wonder moment? Um, so we take Saturdays are our Sabbath. So we like turn our phone off. We don't buy, we don't sell. Generally we don't leave the homestead. Like we completely check out from the world on Saturdays and that's kind of our spiritual day. Um, so last Saturday, my son and I went hiking in the woods and found this like massive hill that was all covered in moss. And we, him and I just sat there in the middle of the woods and um, just like, you know, automatically he's talking about the fairies that he's five. So he's talking about the fairies that live in this mound. And, you know, I'm just there. It was kind of like a surreal moment of just being in the woods. That was the goal of it. I find like, if you can kind of like forest bathing almost, you know, like go out in the woods and just, um, be surrounded. But, uh, yeah, that, I would say that was the last time, I, um, 
have been really connected. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I, uh, we just got back on vacation from North Carolina. We went down to the Outer Banks and, oh, nice. um, uh, I actually, it was kind of a crazy situation. I was actually sick. I got bit by a tick and, oh, you know, man. nature, nature went, went against me there, but, yeah. um, but I did get a little bit of time on the beach and I remember walking out like right about sunset and just like seeing the vastness of it, you know, yeah. and you realize like, as far as I can see is water. And, you know, right now, like it's at like my ankles, but like a mile out, it's probably deeper than I could ever even imagine, you know, and right. like that just, it, that's a, that's a cool wonder moment for me. So I can kind of relate to that. Those yeah. little moments like that, you know? Yeah. That, I would definitely say I, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, so like I was always at the ocean. Um, so yeah, those, those ocean moments, I'm a sucker for those. Those get me every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hill jack myself too. So I, 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 I get a few of those up here all the time as well, but yeah. So, um, then the next question I like to ask is this. So for the guys that are listening today, what is your best advice for them? Um, I would say get, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but get more connected to, to your food, um, ultimately to the earth, um, to your family, you know, uh, to me, health begins with healthy soil, healthy food, healthy spiritual life, you know, all of that is connected together. So, you know, know where your food comes from, take responsibility for where your food comes from and, um, and plant something and grow it, you know, so that you can experience what it, you know, the potential of a seed to a fruit or a vegetable. Awesome. I think that's excellent advice. And I think that uh, we could all benefit from, from that, from the beauty of that, you know, definitely. Awesome. So if I've got guys that want to connect with you and we want to send them your way so they can learn from you, learn from what you're doing, what's the best way for them to, to get plugged in? Yeah. You could go to the schoolhouselife.com. Um, and then we also have a pod- podcast called the schoolhouse life. Um, and there's a link at schoolhouselife.com, um, to get connected with that. And we have a Facebook group that's the schoolhouse life. So, you know, any of those are great ways to connect. Awesome. So if guys have questions about, you know, natural health or, or, uh, homeschooling or homesteading or growing stuff in their apartment window, they could ask you and connect with your community there, right? For sure. Yeah. That's a great place to connect. Awesome. Drew, I've really appreciated having you on the show today. And, uh, I, uh, next time I come to North Carolina, I might kind of swing out your way. Maybe we'll get some, get some, uh, lunch or something. That'd That'd be be kind of cool to see where, to see your, your homestead and check it out. Yeah, for sure. Do it. Awesome. Let's make it happen. Awesome. Good talking to you, friend. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Again, let's give it up. A big round of applause for Drew Grimm. If you appreciate the work he's doing, go check out the links that I have in the show notes where you can uh, click through and show him some love on his social media, subscribe to his channels, join his group, learn from the work that he's doing because Drew is doing some good stuff. We want to support him. Listen, I appreciate all of you guys tuning in and listening to the Manlyhood Mancast and the work that we're doing here. You guys matter to me. You really do. I can't tell you how much it means to me to know that I've got people that love and appreciate the work we're doing as much as I do. So thank you for sharing and for telling your friends about it. Let's keep this going. Let's make this something special. Anyway, lots more interviews on the way, guys. We've got some amazing interviews 
coming in uh, that, that you guys are just not going to believe. They're going to blow your mind and they're awesome stuff. But for now, I think we're going to close off. Listen, I love you. I care about you. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.